Welcome to the New to Jesus podcast, where we find foundational truths to help you take your first steps in your walk with Christ. Hey, this is Dan Bergman. Welcome back to the New to Jesus podcast. In this episode, we're going to look at Galatians chapter number four. In our last episode, going through Galatians chapter three, we talked further about how that we're saved by faith and we live by faith, that we're not under the law, and that the example of Abraham being justified by faith, where the Bible says that he believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, that this was 430 years before the law was ever given, that the law was added because of sin to be our schoolmaster to show us that we needed salvation but that the law does not save, that the law cannot save, that no flesh would be justified by the works of the law. When we come to chapter 4, in verse 1 it says, Now I say that an heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. In the Roman culture, there was a point where a child became a full heir with rights and privileges. It was kind of like a rite of passage into adulthood. This is where the concept in the Bible of adoption comes from. We think in our current world about adoption as taking a child who uh, has no parents, that's somebody else's child, but is in need of, of a home, and adopting that child into your family. That's not the biblical understanding of adoption. The biblical understanding of adoption the word is actually two Greek words put together, and the words mean a son that is placed. A son that is placed. The idea of adoption, okay, in the time of Christ, the time of Paul, the time of the New Testament, in that Roman culture, is that there would be a point, maybe it was 16 years old or something like that, where a son in the Roman culture would be given a toga, okay? A special outfit. And it's kind of akin to like, I don't know, you think of like a bar mitzvah in the Jewish world. When a son turns 13, he has this special ceremony and he's looked at from that point forward as an adult. Um, in, our, in our culture, according to our government, uh, when somebody turns 18, they are legally an adult, no, at least here in America, no longer a minor, but they are now an adult. And so here, it, the concept of an, of an adoption is that rite of passage into adulthood to be an heir in that family with full rights and privileges. Until that time comes where that son is placed with full rights and privileges as an heir, he differs nothing from a servant. Okay? He's the same as a servant in the family. Even though uh, the, the family, the father, is, 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 is lord of everything, that child is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father, in which point that son will gain full privileges and rights as an heir to the family and be viewed as an equal, be viewed as an adult. Even so we, verse 3, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. 
okay, the idea of adoption being placed with full rights and privileges. Until that time comes, we're under tutors and governors. The previous chapter talked about the law being our schoolmaster, right? To show us our need for salvation, to show us that we are lost and undone and that we are sinners before a holy God. That's the purpose of the law. In the Through the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. We can't be saved through the law. The law is our teacher to show us our need of salvation. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, meaning at the perfect timing, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. That's you and me, okay? That we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, okay, we are now the children of God. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 12, But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Everybody in the world, okay, all of humanity, we are not all children of God. The only way that we can be children of God, sons and daughters of God, is through faith in Jesus, receiving what Jesus did for us. And when that happens, we are a son or a daughter of God instantly, the moment you believe. Now, the concept of adoption is a separate concept, okay? Not only are we made sons through birth, the new birth, okay, born again, born from above, born spiritually into the family of God. But we also have this concept of being placed as a son or daughter with full rights or privileges. That's the concept of adoption. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is Aramaic. It's it's akin to the Hebrew word Av, meaning father. Um, but Abba really is like a term of endearment. It's, it's kind of equal to our English word daddy, okay? And the spirit of his son, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ, aka the Holy Ghost, okay? The, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, they are three distinct persons and yet they are one. That's why the Holy Spirit can be referred to as the spirit of Christ or the spirit of his son, okay? Um, the spirit in our hearts Okay, he dwells within you and shall be in you, as Jesus said in John chapter 14. The Holy Spirit cries in our hearts, Abba, Father. In the book of Romans, it says that the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Meaning when you become a believer, when you become born again, there is this instant inside change of the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling within your heart and it feels different. There is joy, there is peace, there's also conviction, okay? When you're doing something that displeases God, the Holy Spirit is going to convict your heart. Anyway, the Spirit within you, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. See, this is this concept of adoption, being placed as a son with full rights and privileges as an heir, Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Get this picture, okay? There is this son that is under tutors and governors. He differs nothing from a servant. He doesn't have those full rights and privileges as an heir 
because he has not yet been placed as a son with full rights and privileges. Once he is adopted, he gains full rights and privileges as an heir, as an adult in that family, and yet he goes back to those schoolmasters? It doesn't make any sense. And so for us as believers to be saved by faith, justified by faith, made right with God through faith, then to go back to the law? He says, why, after that you're known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? Then he says this in verse 10, ye observe days and months and times and years, I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Paul is kind of like, did I waste my time with you? And trying to share with you the truth of the gospel, because now that you're saved, you're wanting to go back to the law. You're wanting to go back to keeping kosher and observing the Sabbath and observing all these different things. Now, as I said in a previous episode, is it wrong for a believer to want to keep kosher? In their Christian liberty, in their liberty in Christ, is it okay for somebody to say, you know what? I'm going to follow the biblical diet and I'm not going to eat pork or, 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 or shrimp or whatever it might be. Is that wrong? No. According to the Bible, you have liberty in Christ to do that, but you're no longer in bondage to keep that thing for righteousness sake. You don't have to do it. You have liberty in Christ if you feel so led to do so, but you cannot then take that and put it over somebody else's shoulders saying you have to do this in order to be right with God. Do you understand? There's a difference between liberty in Christ and putting a stumbling block over somebody else's shoulders. We're not doing this to be in bondage again to the law. The same thing is true for somebody that wants to keep the Sabbath. Are you doing it because it's a principle in order to give your body rest and to, you know, remember the Lord and to meditate upon him one day a week? Or are you doing it because it's an outward standard whereby you believe that you're obtaining righteousness? Do you understand what I'm saying? You have liberty in Christ to do those things, but that's not the reason which the Galatian believers were doing these things. They were doing it to stay right with God, to obtain righteousness, because they were starting to believe that faith in Christ, walking by faith, was not enough. That's why Paul says, I'm afraid that I've wasted my time with you because you're going back to all of this stuff. Brethren, I beseech you, verse number 12, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. Paul is referring to his thorn in the flesh. He had a physical infirmity a physical condition, a physical problem. And through that, okay, while he had that physical problem, he preached the gospel to them. He says in verse 14, in my temptation, which was in my flesh, or my trial, which was in my flesh, ye despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, a messenger of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. This is the verse that gives us the idea of what Paul's physical infirmity may have been. Many believe that it was his eyesight. Okay, He dealt with a thorn in the flesh, a difficulty physically, that many believe, because of this verse, 
as well as a few others, that Paul dealt with a problem with his eyesight. And he's saying, when I first preached to you, I mean, there was this beauty, this blessedness. You received me just as if I had been Jesus myself. And, 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 and you loved me so much that if, if it were possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me because of the difficulty that I had with my eyes. Verse 16, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Do you get here that Paul is trying to exhort the people in Galatia not to go down the wrong path, not to follow a false teaching or false doctrine that you have to have Jesus plus the law, okay? That is what he is battling. Am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? Verse 17, they zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. He's talking about these false believers, okay? These people that have crept in saying you need to be circumcised, saying you need to have Jesus plus keeping kosher, uh, all these different things that they were trying to convince the Galatians believers of. Paul's saying that they're zealous, okay? They're very energetic. They're very charismatic, but they're not doing any good. And if they had the choice, the second that, you're not listening, they would turn their back on you. Verse 18, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I'm present with you. He's saying being zealous, being passionate about something is good, as long as it's about a good thing. But these people, these false believers, they're passionate about something that is not right, that is not biblical. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Paul is saying that he's having just this kind of difficulty, this sadness, because he's having to exhort them this way. He's like, I wish I could be with you. I wish I could change my voice uh, so that we could just be together. But I have to battle this false doctrine that you're starting to believe. Verse 21, tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. What's he referring to? Well, when Abraham uh, could not have a child through Sarah because they were both very old, instead of believing the promise of God, that God would miraculously give a descendant through Sarah, Abraham and Sarah had the idea of, well, we have this concubine, Hagar. Why don't we just have a descendant through her instead, the bondwoman, okay, which was their servant, and she had a son, Ishmael. Later, God told Abram that he had rejected Ishmael as being the promised seed, that the promised seed would be through not only Abram, but through Sarah, okay, the free woman. That son, the promised seed, was Isaac. The Bible says in verse 23, But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, not trusting God by faith, but taking things into their own hands, okay, through work to try and bring about something that God had promised. But the Bible says, But he of the free woman was by promise. Okay, Isaac was the seed of promise through Sarah, which things are an allegory, meaning that passage in Genesis really happened. It's actually real. God had Ishmael through Hagar. He had Isaac through Sarah. What Paul is saying here 
is that that passage can also be viewed as a metaphor for what you're dealing with right now. With promise versus the law. With faith versus the flesh. He says, for these are an allegory of the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, speaking of the Mosaic law, the Mosaic covenant, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar or Hagar. Okay, so the concubine, the bondwoman, and her son is a symbol of the Mosaic law. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem which is above is free, which is the mother of us all. I believe this is a reference to a spiritual Jerusalem. Um, In the book of Revelation, there's eventually going to be a city, a physical city, New Jerusalem coming down from heaven. Okay, but it's it's, it's speaking of the spiritual reality uh, of salvation. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, and break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. He's saying that this whole thing, the promise of salvation through faith, the coming Messiah, the promised seed, all of it is through faith. All of it is through promise. All of it is through God miraculously working, not man achieving something through their own flesh and through their own efforts. Hagar, having Ishmael, was through the flesh. It was through man's efforts. It's symbolic of the Mosaic law. But the actual promise which was through Isaac, is a symbol of faith in working through God alone, not man working for his salvation or righteousness. Then it says, But then as he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, okay, Ishmael persecuted Isaac. All right, they were enemies. Symbolically also, the flesh is an enemy of the Spirit. Even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. This is a quote from Genesis 21 and verse number 10. Paul is trying to get the Galatians to understand You need to cast out this idea of being made righteous through the law. You need to cast out this idea of having righteousness with God through works and through the flesh. We are saved by faith. We live by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And in God's eyes, we're already righteous because of what Christ did. And so we need to make a conscious decision, a conscious effort to cast out the flesh and everything that it tries to desire to achieve. And instead, living by faith in what Jesus did for us and walking in the Spirit. Verse number 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Meditate on that for a while. Think about how Christ has made you free. We're not in bondage anymore. We are saved. We are set free. And we live by faith, 
and walk in the Spirit. We're not under the law anymore. The law was simply our schoolmaster to show us our need of salvation through Christ. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I look forward to talking to you in the next episode as we look at Galatians chapter 5. Thank you so much for listening to the New to Jesus podcast. You can go to our website, newtojesus.com. That's new, the number two, jesus.com. If you'd like to find me on social media, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at danielbergman99. And if you'd like to rate and review this podcast on iTunes, that helps us to get in front of more people to help them take their first steps as new believers in Jesus.